If you don't know uh, Dr. Fugit, as I was sitting up here, some folks may not know him. He's a uh, pastor of Clay's Mill Baptist Church down in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, he's been a friend uh, of mine and a friend of Bethel for years and years. Uh, one of the most, one of the foremost church builders in America. That that's not an overstatement. Uh, that is the absolute truth. He's one of the foremost uh, church builders in America. An author of several books. Pastor over 30 years. Is that correct, Doc? Over 30 years. Uh, travels all over the world preaching the gospel. Uh, tremendous soul winner, tremendous soul winner. Uh, one of the most humble people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, he's one of my heroes, no doubt about that, and I sure am glad to have him with us tonight. Again, uh, I like to have him every year, and, and I sure do appreciate his stand and his friendship. Uh, so let's give him a great hand as he comes to preach to us tonight. Come on, Doc. Well, it is a joy to be here. I love coming to Bethel Baptist Church. I love it because it is, it is such a happy place. It really is. Every church is not, but it is a happy place, and I love it. You know, I notice that the world, uh, they have a happy hour. Uh, I feel bad for them. Uh, they, could, they could trade that happy hour for a happy life if they wanted to. Anybody who lives in this area could come to Bethel Baptist and find a happy life rather than a happy hour, but I mean that. And uh, I, I love you, Pastor, for a lot of reasons. I got so tickled last week. We were at the church, uh, not the church growth conference. We were at the Young Fundamentalist Conference, a teen conference. And they were playing crazy games. I mean, it was, it was almost illegal what they were doing and fighting <laughs> on the platform. And I was just praying, Lord, please don't let anybody get hurt. Because, I mean, they were whacking one another with them, with them big noodles, you know, trying to knock. They're supposed to knock the, the, the hat off their head. They looked to me like they tried to knock the head off of the shoulders, what it looked like. And I was over there saying, Lord, help them not get hurt. And I hear this guy yell, and I look, and there's a guy jumping up and down cheering for him, and it's your preacher. And, uh, and, and I, I don't know who it was from here that won, but when they won, he ran and met them in the middle. He was so excited. He was more excited than they were. I was just thankful nobody got hurt. Uh, but anyway, I, I love him for a lot of reasons, and I text him, and I sent him a picture of that, and I said, you're a winner, and I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, what a blessing. It's good to see you building tonight. It's good to see you building. And uh, so exciting. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. It is a testimony uh, to this town that something's going on in this church. Now, now the truth is that that's not happening everywhere in America. It's just not. Uh, there are church buildings that are for sale. There are. And there are church buildings for rent. And they're turning churches into businesses and, and, uh, and, and, and other things. And I appreciate so much your church pressing forward in these days. Uh, you know, and, and I hope I can say this uh, in, in the right way, but I'm just impressed with what God has done since Biden's been president. And uh, had, it hadn't affected God at all. It really hasn't. The recession hasn't bothered God. Nothing has bothered God. And you've just kept on building. And I, I appreciate that. I love church. I do. I love church. I, I love uh, everything about church. Yesterday morning... We had a grand opening yesterday of our building, and five long years we've been working to get that building up and all the property and all of that. 
And uh, God's been so good to us. I said to one man, between Sunday school and church, I said, could you hear? He said, I could. I said, could you see me all right? He said, yes, but I'll move back before church starts. And, <laughs> and uh, but anyway, I saw a visitor. I, I guess he's 25 years old. Later, I learned he was 44 years old. And, and I, I greeted him, and I thanked him for being in church. I said, are you a Christian man? And he said, uh, yes, I am. I said, well, that's great. We're honored to have you. Thank you for coming to Grand Opening. I preached yesterday, if I be lifted up, Christ said, and talking about the cross and going to the cross of Calvary, and uh, simply just preached the gospel. After the service was over, and we had folks saved and baptized, and he came to me and said, you asked me a question between Sunday school and church nobody's ever asked me before. You asked me if I was a Christian man, and he said, I, I, I gave you the wrong answer. And he said, after you preached today, he said, I, I, I would have considered myself a Christian, but I don't know if I've ever done that. And we sat down on the, on the steps of the platform there, and uh, he, we went through the simple plan of salvation as he had just heard me preach and trusted Christ as Savior. And uh, he texted me today, and he just said, I, I just can't explain to you what happened. And I said, I've been trying to explain it for 50 years, and there's no end to the explanation. It's a wonderful thing. You know, sin comes in packages because it never satisfies. Have you noticed that? They'll come in a 12-pack or 20-pack or 24-pack. But when you get Jesus, you just get one because that's all you need. Jesus satisfies. Aren't you glad that you're a Christian tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to preach a message that I'll be honest, I would not preach in every church that I preach in. I would not. But knowing your church and knowing the heart of your pastor... And knowing uh, your church these last uh, seven years that I've been privileged to be here, I'm going to preach a message tonight that is a bit of a challenge. And I, I don't every time because uh, sometimes uh, the uh, guest preacher can push the people past the desire and will of the pastor and that cause a problem. I always want to be a blessing. I always want to be an encouragement to wherever the, everywhere the church is. And so I'm going to preach tonight a challenging message. And the message is entitled... Let's try. Let's try. Stand with me, if you will, if you're able to stand for the reading of the Scripture, 1 Corinthians at chapter 9, and we're going to go to verse number 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? He asked the question, uh, have you noticed that everybody runs in the race but one receives a prize? And uh, we would answer that, yes, we have noticed that. Then he says this, so run that ye may obtain. Then he says, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. I like the word temperate. It means control. It means self-control. Uh, my favorite illustration of temperate is a salt shaker. It has a lid on it with holes in it, and uh, it controls how much salt comes out when you shake it. And uh, as a teenager, now I know probably none of you have ever done this, but when I was a teenager, it was a fun thing to, uh, boy, conviction is settling in, uh, to take the lid off of that salt shaker and just set it down there. I see conviction everywhere. Yeah, we may need to have the piano player to come right now. 
And uh, then you watch somebody, then they pour the salt out, and the whole thing comes out. And, and so it's no longer tempered at all comes out. And so tempered means to be controlled. So the Bible says in verse 25, And every man that striveth, all that get in the race to run, to win, is temperate in all things. Notice this now. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible. So he's not talking about what we do physically. He's talking about what we do spiritually or what we do for Christ for eternity. Are you with me tonight? He said in verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. And then he uses another illustration. Not only do I run, he said, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He said, my goal is not to hit the air. So I imagine he is saying, I intend to hit something right in the nose. I want to hit something. I want to connect, not just to swing. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. There are two words I've written down that trying causes. First of all, it increases our character when we try. And that's what he's saying in verse number 27. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection because a runner, you see, they don't eat everything they want to eat. They eat what's best for them so they can run best. A fighter doesn't eat and do everything he wants to do and eat because he wants to be the best fighter he can. So he, he, is, uh, he has character. And then he is temperate in verse 25. And then he says this, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me as I preach tonight. I want to be an encouragement and a blessing to this church. This church has been a blessing to me. And Lord, whether they know it or not, this church is being a blessing to other churches because other churches say if they can grow if they can win people to Christ, if they can build buildings and move forward, then we can move forward by faith in Christ. And so help us to understand that our moving forward is not just for our uh, benefit and your work in our church, but it's also a testimony to others. And that's what we're supposed to do. And help me, I pray as I preach in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to turn your Bibles to another passage of Scripture, and that is Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24, and I want you to look in verse number 16. I'm preaching tonight on the subject, let's try. You never know what you can do until you try. Uh, many folks, they talk about uh, things they would like to do, but they never try to do it. A man was with me one day as I walked into the auditorium of the church and a lady was playing the piano. She was practicing and she was playing very well. And he said to me, I've always wished I could play the piano. And I said, you know, that's not how she learned. She didn't learn wishing, she learned trying. She learned practicing. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 16, very interesting verse, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. I want everybody to know I'm a just man just by trying. 
because just men move forward. Just men try. And a just man falleth seven times. The word seven is significant. That means he falls constantly, but he's not a failure because he doesn't stay down. He keeps getting back up. A just man falleth seven times and riseth again. And notice this, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Says nothing about the wicked getting back up again. They just fall and they stay and they end in failure. You see, I had rather try and fail than to fail not trying. Wouldn't it be better to try and fail than to fail having never tried? And so I'm preaching tonight on the subject, let's try. Take your Bibles and go to one more passage of Scripture, and that's the book of James in chapter 1. James in chapter 1, and notice, if you will, in verse number 3, just after the book of Hebrews, uh, one of those books that sort of gets stuck together in the back back there. James chapter 1, notice what the Bible says in verse number 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, when we think about this verse, we always think, when we hear that phrase, trying of your faith, we think of being on the defense, or we are protecting what has tried our faith. And certainly that meaning is there in that chapter and in that verse. Things try our faith, and we decide, I'm still going to have faith in God. Things don't turn out the way I planned them, or the way I thought they were going to. I'm not going to let this trial of my faith cause me to lose faith in God, and so the trying of our faith, uh, the Bible says, worketh patience. I told Brother Decker tonight, and I've known Brother Decker a long time, I appreciate the fact that he has been through many difficult, difficult things in life, and yet he's never quit on God. He's kept his faith in God. Now that's a defensive perspective, but what about this? Notice verse number three again, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let's put that on the offense, not just defending, but let's try using our faith. Think about that and see what happens. Well, it works patience, and you let patience have its perfect work, and you're uh, complete or perfect, uh, entire, wanting nothing. So let's not just see it as our faith being challenged. Let's use our faith to challenge a, a difficult situation, the trying of your faith. For example, you've said to your children, as your parents said to you, here, eat your broccoli. And they said, I don't like broccoli. And you said, have you tried it? No, I can tell by looking at it. I don't like it. <laughs> you may not believe this, but I ate a half a bottle of ranch dressing one time with just one piece of broccoli. <laughs> and, uh, 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 but, but you've heard folks say, well, try it. And you look at it. Boy, I hate to eat something that's looking at me. Uh, I'm not an adventure eater. I was in the Philippines a, a couple of months ago. And boy, they eat things that look at them. And I, I don't like that. And, uh, uh, but but, but, but I, I've, I've been told that, well, try it. You might like it. There have been a lot of things in life. I tried it and I did like it. We all understand that. Well, he says here that the trying of our faith, and so what he's saying here, let's not just see it as the negative or protecting or keeping our faith when the trial comes, but let's use it offensively. Let's see what will happen when we put our faith in Christ to move forward. Now, 
The Bible is filled with simple people, amateurs, if you will, who attempted great things for God and accomplished great things for God because they tried. I believe tonight that many in the world are without Christ because many Christians say, I can't do that, but they've never tried. They've never tried. They've, they've, they've never attempted to give a gospel track. They've never attempted to witness to someone. They've never talked to anyone about Christ. A few days ago, I was with our basketball and volleyball teams. They were playing in the state tournament, and they decided to go to Culver's. Now, I feel sorry for those people that are working a fast food restaurant and a bus pulls up. They, they used to give the bus driver a free meal. Now they find him for bringing all those kids in there is what they do. And there we were in Culver's, and I mean the line wasn't just in the front. It was wrapped all the way around the seating, and our kids were there. And then I noticed a man in line behind our girls' volleyball team. And I'm thinking, there's no way. That must be a patient man. I wouldn't even get in that line. I'd rather drive 30 minutes to the next restaurant than to get in a line with three people in it. But that's just me. My daughter was standing there, and uh, I, uh, I uh, got uh, uh, Laura's attention. <clears throat> yes, Daddy. I pointed at the man. Oh, oh. And, uh, and she gave him a gospel tract. And uh, she, just, she just needed a little nudge, and, 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 and she gave it to him, and she started talking to him. He said, where are you all from? She said, Lexington. We were down in Elizabethtown, about an hour and a half away, and uh, she gave him a gospel tract and told him who we were. Uh, we're a, a Christian school volleyball and basketball team. I watched the fellow. Austin was his name. I watched him as he walked through that line, just patiently waiting. You know, you move one step. Five minutes later, you move one step, and uh, they're getting those orders, and I watched him. I gave him time to read the track, and I stepped up beside him. I said, Austin, I saw you read that track. I said, do you know Christ as your Savior? He said, I don't. I went to church with my grandmother last Sunday. I want to know more about God. I said, that's a great thing. Do you want to know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Oh, he said, that'd be great. And right there in Culver's, while we were patiently waiting, and uh, he bowed his head and trusted Christ as his Savior. Now, you know why he got saved? Because I tried. I can tell you a thousand stories where I've been cursed and run off. I can tell you those. I'm not going to tell you those stories. Uh, those were no fun at all. But I kept trying. I could also tell you about the fish I caught and the thousand times that I cast a line and I hooked a, uh, a, a limb and broke off. I could tell you about that, but I'd rather tell you about the fish I caught. Now, how do you do that? You just try. The Bible is filled with people. Noah wasn't a shipbuilder. He would just had faith in God because he had faith in God. He did what God said to do. Uh, David was not a giant killer. He didn't say, all Israel's going to know that there's a giant killer in the land. He said, no, all Israel's going to know there's a God in heaven. That's what he said. And uh, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. He was a cupbearer to the king. Now that's far from a, a craftsman. That's far from a mason. That's far from a builder. And uh, he, he builds the walls of Jerusalem. Why? He tried. In fact, his building brought the criticism of others. They said, they laughed at him. They said, if a fox goes on the wall, it'll fall down. I don't know if it was because of the way they constructed or they were just making fun. I don't know, but that's what they said. But you know why Nehemiah built the wall? Because he tried. 
Now, Gideon's one of the fellows that's amazing to me. He told God right off. He said, I'm the least of the least. There's no way I can be a captain of, of an army. And he starts off with 10,000. You know, the story ends up with 300. If I had 300 people going into battle against the Midianites that were innumerable, I mean, that was a host of Midianites, I would get 300 trained snipers that could walk without being heard and that could see in the dark. That's what I would have got, 300 snipers. You know what God gave them? A trumpet to make noise with and a light to be seen and didn't even give them a pistol, didn't give them anything. Gave them a trumpet and gave them a light. Now you talk about being scared. Now how did he do it? He tried. He put his faith in God and when he did, you know the story, the Midianites fled when they heard the noise. God said to Moses, he said, I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I heard John Rice tell that story and it was a funny story. He said, uh, you know, Moses had a speech impediment. Uh, He couldn't talk well. And uh, he said, I imagine when God said to Moses, I want you to go tell tell Pharaoh uh, to let my people go. Uh, He said, uh, uh, Lord, uh, I I can't speak well and I've got to where I can't hear well either. What did you say? And uh, he said, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He said, well, who do I tell him uh, that sent me? How am I going to tell Pharaoh to let him go? You know why Moses became the greatest leader of the Old Testament to take that group of complaining Jews out of the land of Egypt and across the Red Sea on dry land? You know why he tried? He tried. And and if you would ask him, can you? He would have said, no, I can't. But he tried and he accomplished those things. Elijah prayed down fire from heaven. He did that one time. Why? Because he tried. 1972, my father started with uh, uh, just a few teenage boys that had led to Christ. He started the Bible Baptist Church in Hazard some 50 plus years ago. And I'll tell you why and how it succeeded. One of the greatest churches ever built in southeast Kentucky. And what was an amazing thing, my dad would win a man to Christ and he said, I want to give you a vehicle to drive to church. He said, really? You want to give me something to drive to church? He said, yeah. I want you to take one of them yellow buses out there and just drive it home. And every time you come to church, (laughs) fill it up. And he did. He had a dozen men that would take, every time they came to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We had Sunday school teachers that rode buses uh, every Sunday. They didn't have a car. And, and he would tell them, I'll give you transportation. They didn't know it was a big yellow golden chariot that they would drive to church. And I mean, that church had at times over 500 people a Sunday. You know how he did it? He tried. If you'd ask him, how are you going to do that? He would say, I don't know. I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. And I'm preaching tonight, faith is trying. Faith in God is attempting to do what I don't know how to do, what I'm not prepared to do. I don't know if I believe I can do it, but I'm going to try. One of the most beneficial parts of my education, and and when they sang this song, uh, when they sang the song a while ago of things that I've missed, I enjoyed that so much because I heard all my life, yeah, you go to one of them Christian schools. You miss this, and you miss that, and you miss this, and I can tell you a whole lot of other things I missed. I missed drugs, and I missed alcohol, and I missed all the other things. Thank God for that song. I went to a Christian school. One of the most beneficial parts of my education was every month I had to read a biography. Now, it was a short biography or a condensed biography, and every month I had to either give an oral presentation of that biography or give a written, uh, uh, give a written report on that biography. 
I was amazed at how God used the simplest of men to do the greatest things because they just tried in faith to do something for God. I was amazed at D.L. Moody. You know, D.L. Moody was getting hundreds of boys and girls to come to Sunday school in Chicago, and they said, Mr. Moody, you get all of the kids to come. Why don't you teach? And so he did one Sunday. After hearing D.L. Moody teach, they said, you bring them and we'll teach them because you can't teach a lick. But he became a great preacher. You know why? He tried. He tried. And you know what he did? He fell seven times. He rose again. And that just man kept moving forward. And they're still uttering the name D.L. Moody today. Some are compromisers and some are contenders and some are faithful. But they still utter the name because the man tried. The same was true of Billy Sunday. The same was true of George Mueller. A backslidden, mean teenager who said, I never saw a real Christian in my life. He would see who the pastor called on to pray in church. He would follow that man and he would then go to church and say, yeah, he prayed last Sunday, but he cursed out here last Tuesday. He would go to his business and he said, there's no real Christians in that church. That's what Dale Moody said. Till he met a Sunday school teacher that proved himself to be a godly man. And under the influence of that godly man, uh, uh, George Mueller became one of the greatest Christians this world's ever known, a man of faith. He told God, when God gave him a burden to start an orphanage, he told God, I can't start an orphanage. I'm too busy. I have so many things to do, and I don't have the material. He said, God, if you'll give me five things, he prayed. He said, if you give me five things, I'll start the orphanage. I need the money, and I forget how many pounds it was. He said, I need a director. I need a place to stay. I need curriculum. I need clothes. Those five things, God answered all those prayers and he started it. You know why? He tried. He tried. A just man falleth seven times and yet he riseth again. One of the things of my childhood that's not present in the life of many people today is the use of imagination. Now when I grew up, you, you, you didn't have a lot of toys. We made our toys. And, and, and we, we played. I, I remember playing, and I would dam up the creek, and I would have soldiers, and sometimes, and I'd put the enemies below the dam, and I would let the water build up, and I'd, and I'd just wash them all away. And I mean, that's just, that's just how I played. I would find things that would blow up, and I'd light fire. I just had an imagination. We played hide-and-go-seek. We, 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 I mean, we just, we, we just uh, th there was one fella. He was out in the woods, and he found a skeleton that he thought was an old Indian chief. Uh, but the, after some time, they discovered it was a hide-and-go-seek champion in 1947. But anyway, <laughs> we played cowboys and Indians. We played, uh, uh, we played cops and robbers. Now today, they can't play anything, afraid they'll offend somebody. And yet a grown man can put on a dress and pretend he's a woman. Anyway, that's another sermon for another time. But I mean, that's a, it's a crazy thing. But we used our imagination. I dreamed about flying. I dreamed about building. And those books I read and the Bible that I learned to read, I thought, I wonder if God would ever use me to build anything like Nehemiah. Yeah. It's probably not that I can, look, I can do about it, but our children's minds are being stolen today yeah. by electronics. They have no imagination. They have no. They, they don't play with things outside and and things that boys and girls used to 
think about and imagine. And as, as a child of God and having a Bible filled with the promises of God, I would wonder. In fact, when I was 16 years old, I got a school-filled Bible. And I read through that Bible a page uh, at a time. And I would just wonder. I, I found a place, a rock on the side of the hill where I lived. And I would read a page of the Bible. And I would write the words, pray for God's power. And I would wonder, I wonder if God would let me do something like that. I'd hear a preacher tell stories. I thought, there ain't no way. I don't believe that. He's stretching the truth. And then I'd go see, and it was amazing. God blessed them. God answered miraculous prayers. And I said, I wonder if God do that for me. But you know what I did? I tried it for myself. I remember the day my dad said, we're going to buy pews for our church. We had metal folding chairs. We probably got them from a funeral home somewhere. Uh, that's what kind of air conditioner we had in the church. Angle Funeral Home had the Good Shepherd on one side of it and Angle Funeral Home on the other side, and that's what kind of air conditioner we had. I saw one of them up here on the piano a while ago used as a page marker uh, that, that she was using. And uh, my dad said, uh, we, we, we're going to buy pews. They're $350 a piece. How many of you would commit to buy a pew, $350 a piece? I was playing the organ, which was on this side of the church. I was playing the organ in that service. And I raised my hand, and Dad, he took the name of everybody else in church. And then looked at me, and he said, yes, son, what do you want? <laughs> he thought I was wanting to ask him a question. I said, I was going to buy a pew. He said, do you have $350? I said, no, not yet. I love what Dr. Jorgensen said, says to students, he said, every time you pray for money, God will give you a job. Yeah. And that's the way it works. This is, a, this is the honest truth. I had prayed about that. I said, Lord, help me. I, I want to buy one of the pews. I want to see if faith works. This is the truth. After the service, a lady down front asked me, she said, Jeff, do you have $350? I said, no, I don't. She said, well, here's $50 to help you. I said, wow, that's working already. <laughs> And this is the truth. I'm telling you the truth. When I got to the back of the church in a few minutes, a lady asked me, do you have $350 for a pew? I said, no, I have $50. She gave me $50. <laughs> now, I worked and earned every penny of the other $250, but I bought a pew. You know why? I tried. Yeah. I tried. And there are so many folks that are using excuses as to why they can't, why they can't, why they can't. And you can't do anything that you don't try. And we ought to decide that we're going to make the year of 2023 a year that we're going to try. We're going to attempt to do a work for God. I'll tell you this quickly. 1980, I turned 16 years old. Born in 64, turned uh, 16 years old in 1980. That summer, my dad and I and two brothers... We built a log cabin, and we dreamed about building a church camp for children and teens to come to in the summertime. I mean, we had an old mule that we cut down the logs, and we used that old mule uh, to pull the logs to one central place. We cleared off a place, and we built a nice little cabin. We put a pot-bellied stove in it. And we dreamed about what if we had 10 of these and we had a place that young people could come and stay for a week and we'd teach and preach and sing and have a good time. We'd have folks saved and we'd help folks to know God better. We dreamed about that. In that pot-bellied stove, my dad would say, boys, let me show you something. He took a sack of potatoes 
And uh, we got them out of the potato bin that my grandpa had, and he wrapped them in Reynolds wrap, and he put them under the pot-bellied stove, and when the ashes, when he shook them out, they fell on those uh, Reynolds wrap-covered potatoes, and they cooked them. Boy, it was so good. Of course, now anything as a teenager was good to me. I probably ate the Reynolds wrap to go with it, and uh, because a teenager can eat anything, and we dreamed. That's where the dream of Circle C Baptist Ranch started. Our church has a camp, 117 acres, a 300-seat cafeteria. We're building, right now we already have the top on it, a 300-seat preaching tabernacle on the outside. We have enough cabins to sleep 300. All of that began as a dream, and we tried. When you try to do something for God, you'll be amazed at what God will do to help you when you try. For example... I'm sure if this church is like ours, we could use a few more nursery workers. You ladies may say, oh, no, I I could never do that. Have you ever tried? It's not as bad as eating broccoli. (laughs) Our our verse, our life verse for our nursery is 1 Corinthians 15. We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's what we put over the nursery. You could try one time a month. What, what, what about getting a CDL driver's license? I hear all over the country folks say, well, it's hard with the bus ministry. Uh, you have to have a CDL license. Look, the trucks and the tractor trailers run over you on the highway. We're still getting our stuff. I mean, if it wasn't for Amazon, I wouldn't have anything. And they know me by name. I mean, at Christmas time, I sing, here comes Amazon, here comes Amazon. Yeah. I mean, there are trucks everywhere. I mean, there, there are folks here tonight, you could get a CDL driver's license and be a help driving a church bus. Yes. There are folks here tonight that could decide, I'm going to learn about the bus ministry and I'm going to fill a bus up with boys and girls and teenagers and bring them to Christ. I'll tell you what you do. If you start a new bus route this year and you get 35 people to ride, 25 of those children will trust Christ as Savior. 15 of them will follow the Lord in believer's baptism and you won't just influence a life, you'll change it for all eternity. I sat and listened to William Davis preach two of the finest sermons I ever heard preached at the youth conference last week. That boy, that boy was a punk rocker. That boy wanted to be a rap star. That's what he wanted to be as a teenager. He went to a youth conference not because he wanted to go. He went to a youth conference because he was afraid one of them preachers would steal his girlfriend. One of them preacher boys would steal his girlfriend at the youth conference. So he went to keep one of the preacher boys from getting his girlfriend. And while he was there, he got saved and God called him to preach. He was saved and reached through the bus ministry of the local church. You say, I don't know if I can do that. You'll never know until you try. You'll never know what you can do giving out gospel tracts. You'll never know. You need to decide, I'm going to set a goal. Maybe it's a goal to give out 10 gospel tracts. I mean, the folks at Dunkin' Donuts ought to know you by the fact that you give gospel tracts wherever you go. We change our track color every month, and folks will say, I already have one of those. You don't have a red one. We just got these. (laughs) What's different about it? Well, this one's green. 
You, you, you want this. And, uh, but you have to try. I'm preaching tonight. Churches are not supposed to sit soaking sour. They're supposed to be servants of the living God. You ought to try this year to be a soul winner. You may witness to somebody and they not get saved. You may witness to another and they not get saved. But if you keep trying, one of these days somebody will say, you know, I've been thinking about that. I, I need to do that. You know, I just about got killed in a car wreck last month. And boy, I thought about that the whole time. I thought about that. You'll find those people. You'll find those people that God is speaking to the heart and God is drawing to them. God is drawing them to Him. Not everybody that I witness to gets saved, but some do. But nobody gets saved that I don't try. My dad started Bible Baptist Church in 1972. They bought property and built a building in 1975. My grandfather was about 75 years old. My grandfather helped build those first buildings. My grandfather wore Liberty overalls. He wore the dark blue ones on Sunday and the faded ones through the week. <laughs> on Sunday, he wore a white shirt and tie under his blue Liberty overalls. And then the rest of the week, he wore the faded ones and just a, just a regular shirt, a Dickies work shirt, long sleeve. He had a farmer's tan from right there down. And uh, my grandfather's measuring tape was a wooden measuring stick. And it folded up. It was interesting how quick he could unfold it. And I watched him, and Grandpa said, let me show you something. This is an inch, this is a half inch. This is a quarter an inch. This is a, a, an eighth of an inch. This is a 32nd of an inch. And he taught me how to mark boards and measure. You know, that's where I had my first experience as being a general contractor. The bank approved me to be the general contractor for a $10 million building program. I never had a builder's license in my life. They approved me to do that. And we did it. Now, I had a lot of help. I was telling this brother back here, thank God for men that help the preachers out because sometimes we'll try something we can't do. Sometimes. Not all the time. He's laughing. <laughs> but when you try, it'll get somebody else to help you try. And we'll put a team together and we'll get it done. I'm just preaching tonight. Just man falleth seven times and riseth again. Paul said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. I'll tell you this story and I'm finished. 35 years ago, maybe it's 45 years ago, I'm trying to think of the age of the fellow. He lived in the slums of Puerto Rico. And a lady had a burden for the children to know Christ as Savior. She did not have a car, a van, or a bus to pick up the children and take them to church. So she would go to the area and she would say to them, I'll be here in the morning at 8.30 and I want you to walk with me to church. And she got a group that would walk with her to Sunday school and church. A young man by the name of Rolando, Rolando Ayala. He started walking with her and he was that mean, wasn't a bus kid, but walk kid. He was a mean one in the group. And sometimes she would say, Rolando, you can't walk with us today because he would throw rocks. He would be mean. He grew up. When he was 20 years old, he joined the United States Army. And, uh, and of course, that uh, territory of the United States, Puerto Rico. And he served the United States Army. And after that, he came to America. 
He married a young lady named Shirley and then two children. One day, a lady from our church knocked on their door and said, Sir, I met your two children out here. We drive a bus up here and take children to Sunday school. Would you allow your children to ride to Sunday school? He said, as soon as I heard that, I thought of that woman that used to come and get me and say, would you walk with me to Sunday school? And even though I was mean and I didn't go all the time, I remember her saying, Rolando, Jesus loves you. He said, sure, they can go with you. And they came on that Sunday. And the next Sunday, they came again, and Rolando and Shirley came with them. He said, sure enough, it was just like that woman in, in Puerto Rico that told him that Jesus loved him. The two boys, Rolando and Shirley, they all four trusted Christ as Savior and Father the Lord in believer's baptism. One day I was preaching on the need for someone to help me to win Spanish-speaking people to Christ in Lexington. And I remember joking about it. I said, I need help ordering at Taco Bell. And I, I, I don't even know how to order at Taco Bell. Somebody's got to help me win people to Christ that are Spanish-speaking. I'll never forget, he walked down the aisle, and I met him, and he said, Preacher, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, but if you'll tell me what to say and tell me how, I will go win all those that I can to Christ and bring them. If you'll give me a lesson to teach, I'll teach them. That's how our Spanish church started. Now, last Sunday in our Spanish church, we had 158 people just in our Spanish church. We had eight saved and three baptized last Sunday. You know why? Rolando Ayala tried. You never know what you can do until you try. Stand with me, if you will. I don't know what God would put in your heart. Perhaps it's something far different than what I said. But there's a great need for Christians to be salt and light in this world. You may have fear. I read recently a statement of Winston Churchill that said, Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. That's been in my mind and heart a long time. Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. If you try, you have to have courage. You have to put your pride aside. You have to say, I'm going to try. We're moving into a new building here sometime. And this next year, you may say, I'm going to try to get visitors. I've never done that before. I'm going to try to win people to Christ. I, 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 I'm going to help in the nursery. I'm going to try. I'm going to do something to be more involved in church. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us. And some, uh, Lord, to, to try. And sometimes we fail. We do. I've failed in so many things. I've fallen down in so many things. And yet, Lord, I'm amazed at how you blessed the things that we've tried. And Lord, I pray that you give wisdom and direction and leadership. And I pray that every young lady and every young man, all the way to every senior citizen, would say, Lord, what do you want me to do this year? Read my Bible through for the first time, all the way through. Listen to the Word of God all the way through this year. Give out a hundred gospel tracts. Invite ten people to church. Whatever it is, I pray that you'd direct us in the invitation tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.